everybody, and welcome to your favorite Wednesday night podcast, the Paranatural Cryptid Preservation Society. And tonight, we are starting with our second introduction into Yule, Christmas, and all of the cryptids and gods and goddesses and mythology surrounding the holidays. Tonight is going to be awesome. I went down so many rabbit holes. It is insanity. I had no idea that I was going to hit this spider web and just end up on the other side of the universe just trying to look up Santa Claus, old Saint Nick. But uh, here we are. So and let's now kick you it. know how I feel. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this is yes. I'm so sorry. This is a. It's yeah. No, yeah. You're right. You're absolutely. Right. This is what happens to me every week. Every single week. This, well, I now understand where you're coming from because this is exactly, this is insane, okay? I mean, I've gone down some rabbit holes myself, um, but not to this crazy extent. Like, I found out new things just within the last five hours that I didn't know my entire life on this planet. Right? So It's yeah. crazy. And it was just Santa Claus, guys. We were just going to do a <laughs> nice thing about Santa Claus, old Saint Nick, and how he became a part of Christmas lore and how it connects to the pagan Yule time and Yule Tide. And uh, yeah, so let's dive into this. Yes. And uh, share with y'all all of the wonderful, juicy tidbits that we have found. And uh, we're going to start it off with an expert excerpt excerpt so sorry <laughs> excerpt on um yuletide and it's when the winter winds blow and the yule fires are lit it is best to stay indoors safely shut away from the dark paths and the wild heaths those who wander out by themselves during the yule nights may hear a sudden rustling through the tops of the trees a rustling that might be the wind, though the wind, rest the wood, is still. But then the barking of dogs fills the air, and the host of wild souls sweeps down, fire flashing from the eyes of black hounds and the hooves of the black horses. And that is an excerpt from Mountain Thunder, issue 7, 1992, on the Wild Hunt. Nice. And why are we talking about the wild hunt? What does the wild hunt have to do with Yuletide and Christmas? Do you know, Kellick? Well, the wild hunt actually has to, it goes way, way back. Okay, so first we have to go back long before, well, before St. Nick. Because St. Nick, while he was how saint hooded how how would you say that sainted Saint before he was sainted or canonized Can, okay yes. yeah before <laughs> all that happened and this goes back actually about 400 years before saint nicholas um you had the uh gosh the norwegians the um the irish the the celts essentially the Celts and the Norse, uh, worshiping uh, Odin and his great hunt. Yeah. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Why is Odin and the great hunt part of Yuletide? And why is Yuletide so wrapped up in Christmas, in the Christian Christmas? And we're, we're going to tell you why. Because Odin is the original the OG Santa Claus. Pretty much, yeah. He is he is the OG of Santa Claus. You know that song, The Twelve Days of Christmas? Mm -hmm. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. That's pagan. <laughs> yes. It has to do with the 12 days of Yuletide. And the 12 days of the Wild Hunt. Who is and who who leads the Wild Hunt? Odin. And who accompanies him in the Wild Hunt, Kellick? Who accompany? Oh, Sleipner. The eight, it's the eight-legged horse is what he rides on. 
Right. And who accompanies him in, and it depends on your region and it depends on your country. It depends on um, your culture at the time. But then, and we're, we're going to talk about the original first, the original, he brought with him in his host. Yeah. Are you, are you talking about the hosts of the dead and the the hounds of hell and all of that? Well, that's I'm I'm going back to the original original the first the first of what the wild ride the wild the wild hunt was. He rode in on the eight legged horse that is the child of Loki that was right. gifted to him right, and he brought with him elves or the dwarves. Um, other gods and goddesses and the Valkyries um, and uh, some of the dead with him. And it was basically, the Wild Hunt was basically them going up against the threat of Ragnarok each year at the end of the year. And they were going up against the Frost Giants. So the, that that whole thing, that whole wild hunt was them getting rid of the threats but on the way they picked up the dead the hitchhikers the hitchhikers <laughs> and if you were unfortunate enough to witness it which there was no jingling bells or pounding hooves or cute little you know this wasn't a cheery sleigh ride down the uh the wintry slopes no no no, no this is bring hounds in the forest, in the dark of night, in, this was in like dead winter. Howling winds and, you know, the spirits of the dead joining the hunt and, you know, being whisked away to the land of the dead. And so can I just say the, like, point out some correlations here? Because you've got Sleipner, right? Mm -hmm. And he's got eight legs. Mm -hmm. How many reindeer are there? Eight reindeer. Eight reindeer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just going to go. Yes, ma'am. In, in terms of the sleds. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you use in the wintertime? Sleds, obviously, mm -hmm. to be pulled mm -hmm. behind horses or reindeer or whatever. Uh, but in, the, in all the rest of the times of the year, what do you use? A chariot. Mm -hmm. And now we don't have any records or any stories talking about Odin using a sled. However, uh, we do have mentions of uh, like Thor using a chariot uh, pulled by his two goats. We've got, um, oh, what's her face? Freya. Uh, thank you. We got Freya, who is, her chariot is pulled by cats, which oh, I didn't know. I learned that yes. today. Norwegian forest cats, and they I look had no like idea. yeah, they look like uh, um, Maine Coons. They're huge. See, that's awesome. I had no yeah. idea about that. I learned that new today. That's great. Anyway. The more you know, right? <laughs> but yeah, so there's some correlations there in like your modern day stories of you know, the whole Santa Claus thing mm -hmm. leading all the way back. Now, starting out, this whole wild hunt, you know, Odin gathering up the dead, the lost souls, and carrying them on to battle the Frost Giants, we, like, we figured out that that started in the second year, as far back as the second year BCE. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking second century, not like mm -hmm. 200 BC or BCE. We're talking like two, as year in like two. the year two. <laughs> Dose. So we have determined, based on everything that we've learned, that this is the original story. This is the original telling of, you know, the like where the legend comes from. This is the origin. Mm -hmm. So. It leads back to Odin. Odin. The Wild Hunt. The OG Santa Claus. Now, when everybody pictures Odin, they picture this fearsome, 
gray haired, gray bearded, one eyed. Well, God he, of he was, war. He was the God of war and a, the God of death. <laughs> right. And I he's, mean. It, it, he's flanked by these giant wolves and these, um, Hugin and Munin, his two ravens. Right. And he's just, he's fearsome to behold, right? How did he become Santa Claus? How did he morph into the jolly good man? Because he's got a soft heart. He's he's a gummy bear. (laughs) (laughs) No, he actually um, is the original gift giver, believe it or not. He is. Let me scroll to my linky link here. Uh, okay, I can't find it on the fly. But basically, he, he on this wild hunt, uh, Sleipner would get tired. I mean, he, he's a horse. Mm. He's a steed. He has to rest. Mm-hmm. But with the hunt going on, you can't do that. So what do you do? You stop for breaks. So that's what they did. And when they would stop for breaks... They would like the children this um, ritual of leaving a boot out next to the fireplace full of carrots and hay or sugar. I've heard it all three ways. Um, Those were given as an offering to Sleipner to help him in his journey on the wild hunt. And as a token of appreciation, Odin would place gifts in the shoes uh, in place of the carrots and hay and sugar and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And the gifts would be like chocolate, candies, food. Remember, this is like olden days. So it wasn't necessarily all about the, the video games and, you know. I wanted a pony or all of, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no ponies, no iPads, Mm-mm. you know, no, um, you know, switches. You're, no, this you're going to get. This was snacks. winter time. Yes. Like this was hard times in the northern regions of the world. So like people didn't always make it through winter. And Mm-mm. so these offerings of or these gifts of food and candies and chocolate and stuff like that were to kind of help reassure them that they were going to make it through the winter and that they would see it to spring yep that's what the whole thing was about not only and and you know in in most like uh and the scandinavian slavic uh germanic um lore where this originates december the end of the year is because it's one of the darkest months of the year they also believe that it is the month where the veil is thinnest and that your ancestors those have passed your friends that have passed are closer to you during that time right and they would leave things out to honor them and to keep them, you know, basically healthy in the ghost world so that they would in turn protect them during the darkest month and keep grave robbers away. Right. And so that they could also be picked up sometimes because when I know this, the great hunt sounds scary is I'll get out. Right. And, and it is, it's, I it's mean, creepy. Some you people, don't want to witness it. That's no, weird. no, because you're if you alive and you witness this, you're it doesn't. They don't discriminate. You're coming too. Let's go. We're all going <laughs> and together. And you go forever. Forever. <laughs> there, there's no like we'll drop you off on the way home kind of thing. Like no, yeah, yeah. it's that's it. Exactly. So. And Yolmir which is the by name for Odin, which means master of Yule, okay, mm-hmm. was believed to know whether you've been bad or good. And one of the parts of the wild hunt was being rewarded with gifts for your good deeds or being punished for your bad deeds of the year. And I'm not talking about, here's some coal to go in your boot, my friend. I'm talking about like punished 
You know, fun fact about the whole coal thing. Like, people see coal as this negative thing, like, oh, you didn't, you weren't a good kid, so you get coal as, like, a punishment. No, Mm -hmm. like, coal was actually placed, like, the tradition of coal being placed in, you know, stockings or under the tree was actually because those people were so poor and impoverished that they couldn't afford to keep their fires lit. And the coal was a way for them to keep the fire burning so they didn't freeze to death. So while it may sound like a bad thing, it's actually saving their lives. Yep, it was. I mean, (laughs) nowadays, yeah, back then it was saving people's lives. It was making sure that they made it throughout the... uh, the darkest month um but now it's just like you've been bad so here's your coal you don't right. get anything good no yummy nom noms for you so yeah. sorry be better next year do also, better <laughs> also uh i made a couple little connections today that made that kind of gave me an aha moment interestingly oh. enough unrelated to the whole santa thing I mm-hmm. just got to point it out. It's the whole Norse mythology thing, but it kind of made me think. Okay. All right. What'd you get? What'd you find? And, and I might just blow your mind. If I don't, if you already know it, then, you know, oh, well. You need to bake your needles, huh? <laughs> Bacon gonna, and needles. All right. So you got the Bifrost, right? Right. You got the nine worlds, the nine mm-hmm. realms, mm-hmm. and you've got Asgard, you've got... Uh, Niflheim and all those, right? Right. Well, what exactly is the Bifrost, in your opinion? Uh, it's a mystical, magical rainbow road that connects the nine realms together through Yggdrasil. Uh, uh, I'm not even pronouncing that correctly. I was pronouncing it correctly earlier today. Yggdrasil. Thank you. <laughs> the life tree. Exactly, and, the world and, tree. Yeah, the world tree. And it makes it easier for everybody to get from, from one place to another, like from Midgard to Aethelheim. Exactly. Now, if you were going to put that in literal terms and be like, okay, if this was a real legitimate thing, what would the Rainbow Bridge be? I already know the answer to this question because I found out. Yeah, it was ice. Actually. It's ice. You, you you sure? Well, that's what I, I read earlier was ice because of being in the North Pole. But no, hey, go ahead. What did you find? <laughs> What's yours? Now I'm intrigued. So Color me you, curious. You know how we've had the whole Inner Earth series, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in uh, Norway and pretty much most of Scandinavia in those northern countries, uh-huh. they believed that the Bifrost uh, led to the north going to Asgard, right? Right. Well, they, the north was basically this impassable place. It was this impassable location because you can't live there. You can't travel there. You'll die. It's too cold. It's too frozen. But if you were flying... That's a different story. And Mm -hmm. what if a rainbow bridge was, in fact, the Northern Lights? (gasps) Oh, I didn't even think of that. Wouldn't that make more sense? Yeah. So they see the Northern Lights and they're just like, hey, it's Odin. It's it's the rainbow bridge. It's the Bifrost. Let's say they did, in fact, see something flying through the sky. And it was, say it was headed north, right? Mm-hmm. What is also far north? Str- actually, in fact, due north directly from, like, Scandinavia. Due straight north. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. You're, you're, can- oh, I see what you're doing here. The hole to the inner earth. Odin I lives in the freaking inner earth. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. I, you I, know, I wouldn't doubt it. I would not doubt it. I, I mean, wouldn't. Come on. Tell I mean, me there's sense. not a better like correlation there. Think about no. it. In practical oh. terms, how do you translate 
like fantastical mystical stuff into like a literal like description like if you see basically rainbows floating in the sky that go on long trails due north Mm -hmm. you're gonna think that's like a rainbow bridge and if you see like something that you can't identify flying due north i'm just saying anyway we're getting off track but i wanted to point that out because i realized rainbow bridge by bifrost northern lights wait what frost giants i oh right oh why do you do this to me and what is in the inner earth Giants. giants why do you do this to me and it would make sense because Odin fighting the 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 giants, the bad giants, which is the no no giants that we covered in our There mm-hmm. Be Giants podcast in the way back. There were the what the five different types of giants in the giant hierarchy, right? And two of the tribes were cannibalistic and and bad no nos. So that oh oh man, and oh man, when you think about like. Um... The frost giants can't the the Jotun. I'm sorry. Yeah, the Jotun took my brain a second to catch up. Uh-huh. When the like the Jotun are frost giants, and what's far north of Scandinavia? Frost ice. Oh, just God. just just saying. Oh Anywho, my. Oh, back just, to okay. Just call me twice baked spaghetti because you have officially. <laughs> Baked my noggin, my noodle. <laughs> Dagnabbit. Kellick, why do you do this to me? I love you for doing I, this. I to had me to throw it, it out there because like it, it was an aha moment for me. Yes. And I was just like, wow, that makes all total sense. I like I, I really if I was like a millionaire, I I would I would plan an ex an excursion north. And like find that inner earth. Just oh saying. Sorry, I'm. <laughs> I, I, you can uh, see where my obsessions lie. Yeah, yeah, I can see, but I can see the connection. It makes sense. Like yeah. in my brain pan, knowing what we know, with mm-hmm. the research we have done thus far on all of said things that we have covered thus far, the connections make sense. Yeah. It makes Taking sense. Taking fantastical information and bringing it into literal terms of what's like what could actually be witnessed. I it just it kind of it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. But I digress. So now, you just derailed my whole train of thought here because I was super excited about what I found, the stuff that I found today. Because well, it goes it goes deep into some things that I have loved since I had cognizant thought since, since <laughs> I, I had a consciousness. On. So now I'm going to have to go look that up. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> Beating welcome. up my gray matter here. Ugh. Add okay. wrinkles. Just more. And I need them. I need them. Honestly, I need to feed my brain more. So this is amazing. I love that. Now I'm going to have to go research all of that and see if there's any kind of connection with that aside from, you know, Aurora Borealis. Right? Oh, gosh. Darn. Man. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Can't believe you did this to me. Gosh. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sitting here trying not to, I'm trying to keep this PG family friendly. <laughs> Holy rusted metal, Batman. What? It's metal. It's rusted. It has holes. <laughs> oh, much like my brain pan right now. Okay. So. Going back to what we were originally talking about, because yes. that was amazeballs. I love that. I love that little rabbit hole that you found. That's amazing. Um, when we go to the wild hunt, okay, and we've got Odin, and we have established that Odin is the OG Santa Claus, the original gift giver, right? And he is known for gifting armor and weaponry to his good little boys and girls of the wars. And um, helping them win said battles with with these wonderful items. Shiny new tools. The shiny new tools that the dwarves have made. Or the elves in Ifelheim have made. Um, but he's also, it's also seen as a harbinger of a bad omen. To witness so, it. Yeah, to witness it. 
to witness it. Now, here's funny. Here's a funny thing. You know, we have spoken about this before, the the wild hunt. And who is also attached to the wild hunt? Uh, there are actually quite a few. Quite and a few. I had no idea up until uh, your wonderful link that you sent. So shall yeah. I read the, the leaders of the wild hunt off? Yes, please do. Okay. If anybody is a super nerd, folklore, wonderful, like dive deep into all the mystical and magical things that make it so wonderful, you are going to flip your wick. If you didn't already <laughs> know about this, because I didn't already know about it. But I didn't you know, either. This is, listen, all of the stuff that we we're talking about today, like I would say a solid eighty to ninety percent of it, we had no idea before. None. Like I mean, we we know Santa, yeah. and like Saint everyone Nicholas. grows grows up learning that story. But what you don't right. learn is all the cool stuff, all so, the original stuff. So okay, I'm sorry. So the I'm sorry. wild I'm super hunt. excited. Go ahead, do the thing. It appears all over Western Europe and Britain, led variously by Charlemagne, King Arthur, Odin, Hearn the Hunter, and the Devil. Now, not only that, but it can also be led by women. Uh, there are some Norse myths where the riders are women, um, or they're called hag riders, or the witch ride. And the, the original witches. Us witches. Mm -hmm. the witches ladies. The we were, we original leader of the Wild Hunt may well have been the Greek witch goddess Hecate. Oh, I know somebody the in the audience right now who is wigging out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Go ahead, continue. Uh, and yeah, she basically started the whole this whole procession, and those who had died before their time would accompany her and her hellhounds. Mm -hmm. So how freaking awesome they would, is that? They would literally ride the storms mm -hmm. uh, to gather the souls. And like you said, now you mentioned something earlier that I kind of want to circle back to about like the souls of the dead and all of that. Now you've got one thing that I found really fascinating about this whole thing was that it's not just like the gathering up of the dead spirits mm -mm. because when you put an offering, like we've kind of gone through this a little bit, but Essentially, there were offerings that were made. Now, some were made to Sleipner, like we had talked about, but others were made uh, to go under the tree, mm -hmm. which we'll, we'll discuss the tree later, because um, the tree has much less to do with Christmas than you would think. But the offerings that would be put under the tree, those offerings were actually for the, the dead. They yep. were for the deceased spirits. Yep. And when they would place those offerings, they weren't, it wasn't, you know, it was a, in a place of reverence. It was in a place of respect for their elders that had passed. And even though like the wild hunt seems like this really scary, crazy thing, it, it's a way for the, for those ancestral spirits to pass on. And reach their final destination. So it's like, we're grateful that you've stayed around to protect the family and guard the household and, you know, watch our crops and give us, you know, protection in the winters and stuff like that. But the wild hunt has called and you're needed. So go be with your kind. Go be with the spirits. Mm -hmm. And they would be whisked away. So there's this whole, like reverence and respect that I, I was just kind of I don't know I was impressed with to say the least yeah it was yeah. it was really cool to read because it wasn't like made out to be some crazy scary thing but it was made out to be in reverence of yep. the passing of the dead and their journey to the afterlife which is awesome because there are many many different cultures around the world who do the same thing maybe not at christmas time um but well, technically I mean, technically uh the wild hunt also did not appear 
or did not happen during Christmas time. No, like it on was on Christmas Day. Right. It was just during winter. Right. During it winter could, times. It could happen at any point in the winter um, yep. on the darkest of nights when the storms were blowing. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 really cool. I I, I really enjoyed that information, L- like learning that information, because there, I like when people like pay their respects and give credit where credit's due and really show the love of, you know, a family to an elder that's passed. I don't yeah. know. There's, there's something about that. And I know the Chinese do it really well. Um, you know, they're all across the, the world. There are, you know, different societies and civilizations that pay their respects to the dead. And I feel like in like, uh, the day of the dead in, right. uh, in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like and Spain, I believe too. Also here does in the US, yeah, yeah, and I feel like here in the U.S., we don't give credit where credits due. We don't. We, I, I, I oh, that's a whole another topic. That is, yeah. a, whole, that is so, a whole another topic. It's a whole another topic. We won't anywho, go off that rabbit trail. Moving, talking about that uh, with who led the wild hunt, the different. Yeah, we don't want to gloss over all. No. That. <laughs> King Continue. Arthur. King Arthur, Hearn, hello, Hearn, okay, who is also called the Green Man, okay? Now, okay, so the Green Man, I wasn't aware that Hearn was the Green Man um, up until you just said that, but um, my fiance uh, said, you guys should look up the Green Man, that would be really, that'd be a good one, and I looked it up, but, excuse me, the mention of him was that he is a bringer of spring. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, well, that's that's wrong season. So I just right. kind of stopped there. He and heralds was like, in could, spring, yeah. Yeah, so I figured we could maybe do something like that in the spring for a podcast. Oh, absolutely. I am but, 100% down for that. But Hearn. In regards to Hearn, Hearn. you got you to tell everybody what that one's about. Because okay. Okay. I, I don't really... I. I didn't really know a whole lot before today. I and am, I girl, you dove deep. So I am super stoked about this one. Okay, not only is it because of Hearn, it's Hearn, but because of King Arthur. Because I don't know if anybody here is a fan of the Knights of the Round Table and Arthur and Merlin and. Avalon and all of that wonderfulness. Um, I'm a huge fan. I love it. I, I've been immersed in it since I could comprehend words. So I was mind blown last night when I was like, you know, I've heard of the wild hunt. Who else does it? Hearn does the wild hunt. And then I go and look it up and I was like, what does Hearn have to do with Odin and Christmas and Yule time? You know, what is what does he have to Oh my God, Becky. Okay. Oh my God! So, okay, so <laughs> you, you got to talk about Hearn's like life story. Okay, you got to talk about how he got there, how he spread the love. Go okay, ahead. okay, okay. Here it is. Unlike the majority of deities in the pagan world, Hearn has his origins in a local folktale. And there is like at first there was like virtually no information available for like primary sources, but he is sometimes seen as an aspect and I'm going to mispronounce this and I apologize in advance to, to all of our Irish and Scottish and English and French friends out there that are listening. Um, Cernunos, Cernunos, I hope I am pronouncing that correctly. Probably not. And I apologize. Um, he is the horned God. I believe that is correct. I hope so. Cernanos or Cernanos. I hope that's correct. So he is the Herned God and in the Berkshire region of England is the home to the story behind the legend of Hearn. And according to their folklore, Hearn was a huntsman who was employed by King Richard II. And in one version of his story, um, other men, you know, became jealous of his status and accused him of like, you know, stealing and poaching um, on the king's land, which is a giant no-no, and falsely charged him with treason, 
where Hearn became an outcast among his former friends. So everybody's like, you're way too good at your job and you're way too cool. So I'm going to have to bring you down a couple of notches because I don't like you that much. That's not cool, my friend. You can't outshine (laughs) all of us. All right, my guy. So in despair, poor Hearn hung himself from an oak tree. Does that sound familiar, anyone? Well, keep in mind. Go ahead. First Which later became known as Hearn's Oak. Now, in another telling of the legend, Hearn was fatally wounded while saving King Richard from a charging stag, and he was miraculously cured by a magician, a magician, mm-hmm. who tied the antlers of the dead stag to Hearn's head. And as payment for bringing him back to life, the magician claimed Hearn's skill in forestry. And he's basically doomed to live without his beloved hunt. Hearn fled to the forest and hung himself again from the oak tree. From the oak tree. And however, every night he rides once more, leading a spectral hunt, chasing the game of Windsor Forest. And you know, he makes an appearance in Shakespeare in The Merry Wives of Windsor. Ah. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I thought that was really super cool that, well, Shakespeare is amazing in him, in, in his own right, but the way he spun tales, like a Midsummer Night's Dream, anyone? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, love it. Love it. I've got a question and you'll have to set me straight if I'm wrong, because I, I'm I'm going off memory here. Okay. We're, we're talking like I read this like six months ago to a year. So. Oh, okay. You know, All right. I, I'm, I'm digging deep here in my head. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking. I'm searching. Um, Hearn, is he the same one that – is he the same guy that had a wife who she was snatched away to the fairy realm and turned into a, a deer or a – Oh, uh, see this. Okay, so that it, it's and then very similar. You had a child and yeah, you know which one I'm talking about. I know exactly which one you're talking about. Is that and the same guy? It is not the same guy. Okay, uh, all right. Although I was just although people think they're the same guy, and here's why. This is um, I believe it's Irish, um, and he was a warrior slash hunter. And, um, but he was, I mean, he was a warrior, warrior. And let me see if I can get to his name. It's uh, Cumhill is his last name. And um, he was also, I know I can get to it. I know he's here. I've seen it. I was just reading it. I know I've linked it in one of the podcasts with like, in one of our early podcasts. So it's somewhere on Discord. Yeah. If So we may have to pull that up if you can't find it. Or if anybody wants to go look it up, you can check out our Discord. Yeah. Because it's there. It's PCPS, you know. You'll, mm-hmm. you'll find it. You'll find it. Just do a search. It's right there. It's Discord. Join us. Have fun. Yes. Discuss. Cuss and discuss. <laughs> Drink some wassail even. You know. Anyway. Now- um, but no, yeah, that's, uh, that's a so different story, different guy. All yeah. Right. If I'm remembering correctly, just clear things up here. So my brain doesn't is. get confused. Yeah. That's uh it's different guy, different guy. Hearn, um, Hearn is also in some cultures and some, uh, religions considered the goddess consort as well. Now, how did, I don't know if you know this or not, but how did Hearn become a god because he was just a regular guy right and then well it's there they associate hern with an actual god okay yeah so he had some deification deityification (laughs) yeah beforehand all right right he was considered by some a manifestation of cernanos the okay. horn god and the horn god who is the masculine 
personification mm-hmm. of God or the goddess. He is the, in some, I'm not saying all, because um, as as we are proving in our podcast, <laughs> there's so much information out there and so many different retellings. It it's it could be one thing for one person and well, mean something completely different for someone else. But he's considered the goddess consort. And, and you gotta remember that this is also he's also a very localized legend. He is um, who's uh, tied to like King Arthur and even the Archangel Michael. Yeah. So. But guess who else he's also tied to? In the Windsor Forest area. Who's that? Who robs from the rich to give to the poor. For real? For real, Robin Hood. Like Robin Hood, Robin Hood? Like Robin Hood, Robin Hood. <laughs> like That's pretty Robin freaking Hood. cool. Robin Hood and Little John run through the forest. <laughs> I love that song. I'm so sorry. I can't do it. My brain. Um, but yeah, he's also associated with Robin Hood. And that made me go down like a whole nother rabbit hole like okay so Hearn he wasn't actually like modernized and used for as people call pagan ritual um until like made like real public public people until like 1957 and he's he's also referred as a sun god but and that's alongside Lou or King Arthur and the Archangel Michael as you as you mentioned before Um, but he's the way he's, he's considered, uh, the God of the witches, um, in the 1931 book written by Margaret Murray, um, he's considered to be the manifestation of Cernanos, the horned God. Um, he's got ties to King Arthur because, he remember when I said earlier that he was considered uh, him showing up was considered like a bad omen. Yeah, it wasn't just a bad omen for just anyone. Hmm. Okay. It was a bad omen for the royal family. Oh, like your time is come, kind of thing. Like yeah, like your, your time reign is, is over. Your time is up, my friend. Interesting. You have you have done the dirty. And we're not putting up with it anymore. And that's according to local legend. Hearn only appears in Windsor Forest when needed, such as in times of national crisis. You know who else is uh, supposed to show up around that time? Who's that? King Arthur, as foretold by Merlin. Ah. Yes. And that's why he is associated with King Arthur. And people are... And this is another thing that I have found out today. People are starting to um, put pieces together from here and there. And um, like I said, this is just like people theorizing. It's not an actual thing, not that I know of. Um, but it's all conjecture. It's all yeah, exactly. You know. So take it with a grain of salt. You don't believe it. You don't believe it. If you do, and you want to learn more, research. It's amazing. Anyway, they are saying that King Arthur could have been a god in his own right. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Which So, well, that would kind of make sense. I mean, like the whole Arthurian legend with the uh, the sword Excalibur and all of that, like mm-hmm. clearly there was something supernatural going on in his life and you know, that kind of makes you wonder if he was some form of demigod, potentially. Kind of a, like, half-god? Yeah. I mean, I mean we, we know Odin did that. We know mm-hmm. Zeus did that. We know a lot of the um, the larger pantheon gods, you know, would kind of sneak off and do their own thing and have kids elsewhere, so... Maybe Hearn's his daddy. Maybe Could it be. wasn't Uther Pendragon. I don't know. Yeah. And there's so much around Uther, too. Like, Uther, with some of the folklore, Uther was a um, a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> he was a butthead, okay? He was a fart factory. We're going to go back to second grade. 
Okay. He was not a fun man. He wasn't a good daddy either. Hence why he has, Arthur has a, a half sister, Morgana, who is cool in her own right, by the way. She is also called Morgan the Fae and also Morgana the goddess of the dead. Yeah. Okay. But she is also considered to be part of the Unseelie court. See, okay. So there is. We may need to have like a paranormal umbrella or something like that on absolutely. the whole Arthurian legend because yes. I, I, I hate to admit this, but I've never like dug super deep into Arthurian <laughs> legend. I, it is just for whatever reason, it never what? jived with me. Like I just, I never had that, like maybe when I was younger a little bit, but I don't know. I'm offended. Please don't be offended. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just, for whatever reason, it just never really struck my fancy. I mean, some of the stuff was kind of cool, but when I learned about them, I think I was a little too young. And mm. so, like, I knew about them, but then thinking back, you know, I'd go, oh, I, I already know about that. And then I wouldn't pursue it. So... You know, making a podcast about it would give me the uh, a reason to pursue it further and yeah. to dig deeper and really learn about it's, it. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. It's almost like and he's he's like a, a savior of Europe. Okay. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I've I've watched the stories or watched the movies and you know about the stories and th there's a million of them and mm -hmm. none of them are really all that accurate, which is mm -hmm. another reason why I'm just kind of like, eh. but at the same time, I am absolutely not dismissive on the topic because I I genuinely would like to learn more. Oh yeah, oh girl. So don't even get me started. With Camelot and the and where they believe that Camelot is, there are thirty different sites that you can go on a tour to see the thirty different sites that are associated with Arthur, Camelot, the Round Table, the Knights of the Round Table, um, that you can go on. And Did you know that there is actually a sword in a stone that yeah. you can like go visit? Yeah. It's legitimately buried. It's like stuck into solid stone. Yeah. And there's like two perspective. Okay. There's, there's, there's two possibilities uh, for sites of where his tomb is. Oh, so, yeah. So like, are you kidding me right now? Like, hello? Yes. <laughs> I want to take me now, please take my money. <laughs> App right now. Absolutely. I will go in debt. Debt. <laughs> I will get off the plane and I will cry and I will probably cry the entire time I am there. That's how much I love, love these stories and love this, this whole universe, this Arthurian universe. And Merlin is my dude. Like, you don't understand. Like Merlin is my homeboy. I love Merlin. I could, I am going so off topic right now, but we, we definitely have to do that. We have to do a whole nother podcast oh, on, on Arthur and Morgana and all of the bad juju that was wrapped around it. And yeah, but anyway, so now circling, got, circling back around, yeah, circle um, back. And speaking of, um, like dead and buried. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There is someone that we we have to talk about. I mean, we got what, ten minutes left. We have to talk about him because bring it. We we know where he's buried. Mm. Uh, he seventeen hundred years old, and we still have his bones. Like that's that's pretty epic, in my opinion. Yeah, Saint Nicholas. All right. Oh yeah, we gotta. I, I, I mean, we can't have a podcast about like Santa Claus if we don't actually talk about exactly. So we gotta circle back and talk about him. We'll wrap it up with him because we got ten minutes left. I gotta cover it. Oh yeah, and, right. I, and then I have to tell everybody about like why we have mistletoe and Christmas tree. So get on it, girl. Let's go. Come on. All right. Time so, to waste it. <laughs> Saint Nicholas. He was uh, born in Mira which is now modern-day Turkey. He was born in 270 A.D. He was a wealthy man. 
Um, he came from a Greek line descendant. He was a Greek descendant. And um, he spent most of his time in Turkey. His parents actually died of um, disease, unfortunately. It was like his, his parents, there was a plague that was going on at the time. I don't remember which one. It doesn't actually say. But there was a plague. They passed away. And he was left with their fortune because they were wealthy. Now, Nicholas, or St. Nicholas, um, he had zero interest in money. He didn't care about money, and he used all his wealth to help other people. So he was, okay, and get this, all right? I had no idea about this, but I found it very interesting. He is actually known, Santa Claus is mm-hmm. actually known to be the patron saint of sailors, merchants, brewers, prostitutes, repentant thieves, children, archers, students, and pawnbrokers. Wow, he's got the longest list. Right? <laughs> he was very diverse. He was very diverse. But they're for good reason. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of sailors, apparently at some point uh, in his life, there was... And, to become a saint, you have to perform three miracles. One of his miracles was that he saved a group of sailors who were out in, like, ugly waters. It, it was There was a storm going on, and they cried out and prayed to St. Nicholas um, for help. And all of a sudden, St. Nicholas appears on the boat and speaks to the storm and calms the waters. So that's how he becomes the patron saint of sailors. Right on. Um, in terms of prostitutes, that one, he actually, okay, he he got caught for doing this. And I appreciate <laughs> he got caught for doing this. There was brown a man, chicken brown cow. <laughs> there was a man who he had three daughters. And it was unfortunately they didn't have a whole lot. Um, and at the time, dowries were a requirement to get married. If you didn't have a dowry, you didn't get married. If you didn't get married, guess what kind of work you were doing. Spaced so, ladies. So what St. Nicholas did, having lots of wealth, uh, he heard about the family and anonymously walked by their house, passed by an open window, and just kind of tossed a bag of gold in their window. And well. it's... And it supposedly landed in a stocking that was hanging on the fireplace to dry. Well, isn't that lucky? Right. He's got some really good aim. Right. <laughs> so he um, he didn't. Ha- the bag wasn't large enough to help all three daughters. So he did it the first time, got away with it. Did it the second time, got away with it. On the mm. third time, the dad stayed up late. And hid by the window. And when St. Nicholas went in to like toss another bag of gold in to cover, help, you know, the third daughter, mm-hmm. the dad jumps out. I was like, what are you doing? And they talked and <laughs> he was like, you can't tell anybody. I, I want to stay anonymous. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want there to be any fame or associated or I don't want I don't want any of that. It's just, just a genuine act of kindness. Yeah. I just want to help your daughters. So accept the money, please take it and have a good life kind of thing. Right. (laughs) And he did not have any interest in, well, anybody really in terms of, um, you know, intimacy. So he genuinely just wanted to help these women, which is how he became. I take back my earlier statement of the brown chicken brown cow. (laughs) My, my bad. <laughs> so, yeah, a couple stories about St. Nicholas. And there's a bunch more, but I won't cover that. Essentially, he he helped out a whole bunch of people. Uh, he performed some miracles and eventually passed away on December 6th, which happens to be yesterday. Saint, yeah, St. Nick's Day. Right. St. Nick's Day yesterday, so everybody. Yesterday was, so yeah, happy belated St. Nicholas Day. Happy belated St. Nicholas Day. So, <laughs> there's 
really not a ton other than that. I mean, he he did go on to save more people. Uh, there were three thieves that he say he spared the lives of. Uh, they were in the process of being taken out into the crowd to be beheaded. And when the first one was about to be beheaded, St. Nicholas ran up and grabbed the sword mid-swing and took it out of the hands of the executioner and spared, <gasps> saved all three guys' lives. Wow. So, Look at him. Right? The man was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and when he passed away, his body uh, went to... Um, well, actually, I should also mention this. In He actually was uh, arrested by Rome, by the Roman Emperor Constantine. Rome. Constantine the First. Constantine. And yeah, he essentially spent his days in prison and then somehow gained favor of, you know, the Roman Empire and was invited to the First Council of Nicaea, uh, which, right, it was a Christian council of bishops and or we're talking early church. This is 343 AD here. So, or I'm sorry, 325 AD. So there was... Yeah, so he helped out the church and, you know, he became um, a bishop and all of that. And that's how he got sainted. And yeah, so and, and then and his bones were eventually buried in the Basilica di San Nicola. Hmm. So that's right actually where his bones are to this day. You can go visit the church. You can like... Look at the his belongings. Mm -hmm. You can look at his bones; like they're all there. That's crazy. I'm gonna have to go see that. Another thing right? on the bucket list that I gotta do. Man, I need to win the lottery so I can go do all of this wonderfulness For real. and see all this stuff. Okay, so Santa Claus. Yes. He and Odin were basically romanticized in the 1930s, and. Mm -hmm. You know how we get Santa Claus and Odin, who was basically a white beard, blue robe wearing figure who just kind of bestowed gifts on people during this terrifying wild hunt. Anyway, um, was romanticized due to Coca-Cola. That not even kidding. Like not even Co kidding. Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola literally decided to just make the jolly fat man. Yeah. In red. <laughs> Jolly Fat exactly. Man in Red. And that's what he's been ever since. And that's how we get today's Santa Claus, ladies and gentlemen, babies, and every sweet, wonderful person in between. Um, now, to close this out, I am going to tell you why we have certain things that we use for decorations for Christmas. And I am going to uh, disappoint some folks um, because a lot of it is in roots of Yuletide and paganism. Um, mistletoe is associated with Loki, the god of mischief and misfortune, the mastermind of the murder of Baldur, who was one of the most beloved of the gods with a spear made from mistletoe. The mistletoe berries later became a symbol of love in the epilogue of the same story, hence the tradition of kissing under it. And Baldur's death was also supposed to lead to rebirth after Ragnarok in keeping with the theme of Yule. Then we have Christmas trees. Vikings decorated Christmas trees with food, gifts, and small carvings, particularly in honor of their gods. And the tradition of lighting candles on the trees was not documented until the early 19th century. And so we can hope that the ever practical Vikings had better sense than that so that they wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't light their, right. their trees on fire. Then we have carols and caroling, which we covered with the wassling on right. our previous podcast, though they were almost certainly of a very different character than our Christmas carols, the Norris sang Yule carols. Nordic children would wear masks and go door to door among their neighbors singing carols. It's the wassling and that weird horse skull thing. So, <laughs> and also with Krampus, by the way, which I have seen some really fun Krampus videos coming out as our our wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people across the pond 
are celebrating their Yuletide and Christmas traditions. And it is hilarious. I love it. I lo- I have to go to one of these because it's, it's amazing fun. watching them. All these people dressed up as Krampus running down the streets, chasing people and whipping them with sticks. It's great. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll cover Krampus. We'll cover it. We're, we will get there. Oh, yeah. So we got Knights of Magic, Magical Creatures, and Holiday Miracles. Vikings believed that the time around Yule was magical, especially at night, um, as in uh, our winter solstice. Uh, the barrier between our world and the supernatural world was at its thinnest, and spirits could travel the forest and fields. Elves, dwarves, and other beings were active and could become involved in the affairs of humans. These various sprites and beings could sometimes bring blessings or justice to humans who needed it and who showed them their due respect. Don't forget the butter. That's all I'm <laughs> saying. If you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to our previous podcast. Don't forget the butter. Don't forget the butter. And it, it can't believe I can't believe it's not butter. It can't be that. <laughs> it's It's got to be actually butter. So anyway, then we have gifts of cakes and sweets, which is our Christmas Day dinner. Or right. our Yule time dinner. Um, these items were offered to the fates, Norns, and Mother, fertility and nurturing forces, that probably originated with older Indo-European cults, but suffused the Aesir goddesses of the Viking Age, such as Freya and Frigg. Then we have the veneration of goddesses. To many Christians, Mary is an especially important Christmas character and often receives special attention. The Vikings were the same regarding their emphasis of the female deities and the celebration of deity motherhood around Yule. This one, I love this one. Wreaths. Everybody loves a good Christmas (laughs) wreath. I have a crescent moon Christmas wreath decorated with holly on my front door right now. And, um... The Yule tradition involved making large wheels of pine bows, lighting them on fire, and rolling them <laughs> down a hill in honor of the sun. I, I mean, at that one. <laughs> I mean, I love it. Can we Let's bring light that one back? everything on fire? <laughs> right. I love that. Is Burn one as of it my goes. yeah. That's one of uh, <laughs> that's one of my favorites now. Um, then we have the Yule log. At the Yule Feast, Vikings would burn large logs of oak inscribed with runes for good fortune in the coming year. Oak is the hardest of woods, and so these logs would burn long and hot throughout the night to gladden the feast and to chase the darkness away. And of course, everyone's favorite, if you're of age in, in the United States, but everywhere else is different, but in drinking. Christmas and New Year are the main times of year that conspicuous amounts of alcohol is consumed and more socially acceptable. The Vikings celebrated Yule with nights on end of drinking mead and specially brewed ales from animal horns or sometimes the skulls of their enemies. (laughs) Which the alcohol, uh, whiskey or the meads, things like that uh, were also used as offerings under the tree. So if you would like to participate in that, you can leave those offerings under the tree. You sure can. And you can also do Yuletide dishes like racks of lamb, um, shepherd's pie, uh, wassail. Um, And if you're interested, we can actually post some of those recipes in our foodie category on our Discord where you, if you want to, you can start making your own traditions at home using Yuletide recipes, which are amazing to me. I I love that. Um, I've actually already posted Christmas porridge. Yes, from our last podcast. Yeah. And that actually sounded really good. Right. I I want to try it. Yeah, I definitely want to try that. So I just want to thank everyone for listening and uh, for hanging in there during our wild escapades and crazy theories (laughs) as we go through our Christmas and Yuletide holidays for the month of December. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and to follow us if you want to continue to hear any of our latest podcasts that we upload as frequently as possible to all of our social medias that we have access to, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts, and I, Apple iMusic, 
I'm not an iPhone user, so. I'm not either. <laughs> well, sorry. <laughs> um, so you can find us there. And as we said, if you want to join the discussion, if you have suggestions, comments, or if you just want to hang out with like-minded people and discuss crazy theories or paranormal activities, uh, join our Discord. Be a part of it. Thank you so much. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful December and all of your festivities and blessings come to you. Have a good night, everyone.